Hello, everybody. It's Brian Janikowski. Welcome to our monthly conference call. I'm Christian Thwaites. Rita Lee. And uh, we'll be here for the next uh, 15 to 20 minutes. We'll also uh, have some time at the end if you would like to ask any questions, uh, at which time we'll ask you to press star nine and we'll unmute your line at that point. Um, but let's let's get stuck in. We The title of this uh, uh, of this of this month's call is will the shutdown hurt the markets and um, we'll, we'll address that in in a little bit but so far the the answer is to that has been uh, no not very much although that that could certainly change but let's just start with the kind of you know higher level so what's been affecting the market year to date um, well I think it's the big uh, big 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 four things which is uh, trade talks. You know, we do know that the trade talks are sort of on a tripartite front. So we've got U.S. and Canada, sorry, Canada and Mexico, which has putatively come to an agreement, or that hasn't been signed by Congress. Uh, Europe, which seems to be in stall neutral mode, uh, and Japan, which, uh, sorry, China, which is a kind of a fully fledged uh, front line and center. And uh, stories around progress or lack of on the China front is really sort of front mine of the of uh, in for the, for the market right now and of course we don't know anything more than anybody else at this point um which is that the story will come out and say they're going well and then be promptly reversed half an hour later and we saw that a couple of times last week uh, second big influence is the shutdown which we'll come on to a little bit more detail but this is really a story of growth deferred as opposed to growth destroyed and we'll explain why in a minute but uh but, clear, but clearly, you know, having this length and you know, no discernible end in sight uh, of, of a government shutdown is a little worrisome, but past history says that it, they tend to snap back. And it's one of those where the drama and the anxiety and the politics are sort of very hot, but the effect on the economy and stock market are a little bit more muted, at least uh, at least for the short term. Uh, thirdly, the Fed. Now, the Federal Reserve has really changed course in the space of the last month. So in the last, in 2018, they were dead set on increasing rates four times. They duly followed that through, what with their forward guidance, their dot plots, and every other time they came online, they talked about sticking to that schedule. The only time where they seemed to waver a little bit was in December when uh, various people thought that the economy was slowing down a little bit too much. And of course, the president was tweeting like crazy, telling Powell to take his foot off the gas in terms of uh, reducing rates. But they went ahead and reduced, uh, increased the rates, I think, correctly in my mind. But now they've come out and um, and said that really they're thinking of, of, of staying where they are, at least for the March meeting, probably for the June meeting as well. So that's a full six months. We're unlikely to have a big change in the federal funds rate and that they're very data dependent. Obviously, the intriguing thing about that is they're data dependent, but three quarters of the economic data is not being published. So we'd just be interesting to see, Rita, I think, how they deal with that um, because we've got some, most of the government agencies closed, although the big ones that cover employment inflation are still open. Um, but anyway, the Fed has been making some very dovish noises over the last couple of weeks, which I think people have taken to view that they'll they'll hold. And then recently, we've just seen the stock market meet meet some classic resistance points. And this happens when there's a big move down or upwards. You know, various supports come into play. Happened in December, 
That's why we had that big change on December 24th and then a couple of days later, and it's happened today where uh, the market was up for five days in a run and and you know hit some technical resistance points and sold off a little bit. Um, so that's the kind of the sort of four major drivers on the market. I just start quickly by talking about the U.S. economy. So these are the things which are weaker right now, which we all know about. You know, one is anything to do with housing, housing starts, mortgage applications, existing home sales. Um, I think what are the other major ones on housing? I think of new home sales. Yes, uh, all these are weak, which you fully expect because the mortgage, the thirty-year the mortgage rate went up. Thirty-year mortgage rate is tied to the ten-year. Uh, the 10-year sort of peaked at 3.25 last year. It takes at least three or four months for that to feed into mortgage rates. Banks are very slow to adjust. Consequently, mortgage rates in the third and fourth quarter were running at about four and four and a quarter percent, four and a half percent. And that just takes the into the, the froth off the housing market very, very quickly. So and then the, the supplies that. at the hottest markets have also slowed. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that is right. Um, so, but nothing I don't think, Rita, to worry about. It's just that it was growing at one rate and now it's growing at a slightly lower, lower rate. Lower. Mm-hmm. No one's sort of freaking out about this. You know, we haven't got two million housing starts a year like we did in 2007. We've got mortgage applications much more scrutinized. The banks, banks better capitalized and so on. So, I think the housing weakness is uh, is something we all expected. Industrial production's down a little bit. That's entirely tied to China uh, because of the import side of it. Um, and trade, the trade numbers uh, have deteriorated quite a bit. Um, you know, you can probably guess as to why they have. Uh, you know, China's certainly stepped back on some of its purchases, but also the terms of the trade in the U.S. are, are, are out of favor to the U.S. But the things that are okay are much more significant, I think. And one is the labor market is very, very strong. Uh, you know, we had... Um, Pretty good numbers for the end of December. The January ones will be off a little bit because of the uh, because of the government shutdowns. Some of the people in the shutdown are counted as unemployed, um, but not very many. But so that'll be a strange one if we start getting back uh, back in line for the February numbers reported on March first. Wages are uh, not too strong for the Fed to worry about, but not too weak that that uh, that, that people are not seeing. Um, no way yeah a little bit of you know mm-hmm. keeping up with inflation which hasn't been happening for a long time and then of course inflation is low uh, remains pretty low the I mean you can get that from the headline because of the gas prices a year ago they were $75 now they're about $55 that feeds right through to anything else that's related to that energy uh, and so on um, and um, and generally the, the inflation numbers seem to be clicking along at a number just under just under two percent with no major pressures coming through so on the stock side, um, year to date, we're up about uh, 4.7% as of t- close of today. As of Friday, it was about 6%. So we gave up a little bit today. I think all that was technical selling meeting into resistance. So we've made quite a bit back from the time when we had the uh, the, the correction in October, where I think Peter Trough, we were down, what, read of 14%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've made almost half of that back in the first few trading days of the US and as we had hoped and expected, small caps did better than uh, large caps as did mid caps. So that was, a, that was a good sign of things coming back. And the sectors that did uh, really quite well this year have been energy and financials, which you wouldn't think are very interesting, but 
because if tech was doing all the running last year and that's far more glamorous and far more followed and far more loved by everybody. But we look for breadth in the market and the energy and financial sectors are about um, eight, nine percent and I think about 15 percent respectively of the mm -hmm. S&P mm -hmm. really lagged for a long time. Uh, and finally, we got some good financial numbers and the energy is, I think, have just you know bottomed out. So I'd rather see a broad market rallying through than than having leadership on a narrow front. So that's where we are on stocks and uh, you know pretty pretty broad breadth. We haven't had any uh, major earnings revisions down. The Apple one was back in December. Really, since then, most of the earnings have been pretty clean. And then on the international side, Rita, what have you been seeing, especially with uh, emerging markets? Well, emerging markets is all about China these days. Uh, in fact, international markets all about China. Um, the China announced its official economic growth to, you know, come to, come to just about 6.6% in 2018, which is the slowest pace in 28 years. Um, so that's uh, that's not unexpected. Uh, it's just that you know it came at a time when they are also dealing with uh, the trade front. So U.S. Uh, is Chinese uh, is China's biggest export market. Uh, it accounts for about 19% of their export. So the trade talks, as Christian um, mentioned earlier, uh, it's very very important. Um, together with shipments going through Hong Kong uh, to, to the United States, it's going to be even bigger than 19%. Um, but the export weakness is not just uh, limited to the U.S. It's actually uh, global. So that is one thing, one of the things plaguing the, the Chinese government quite a bit. But in fact, investments and consumption, two other pillars of Chinese growth, not just trade, have also been a drag to their economy. So um, it's interesting that uh, Chinese government has been doing a lot of things to try to um, reinvigorate their economy. Um, they want to encourage investment spending. Um, they've recently cut their reserve ratio and have encouraged banks to loan to small businesses. So we've heard about and we've talked about this with the Chinese deleveraging story. Um, they are, in fact, quietly re-leveraging. That's um, something to note. Um, they, they may be somewhat effective, but they may not be as effective as the last time they've done it and back in 2015. So that, that's something to watch. The other thing is um, consumers, consumers within the, the, the Chinese country. Um, China wants to be a consumption-driven country, but as we've written and talked about it, um, Chinese consumption has slowed quite a bit. Um, in fact, it's, you know, you, you've probably seen news about Apple, uh, sales coming down and car sales coming down as well. So those are some things that Chinese government um, are tackling right now. So Rita, I'm going to ask you an unscripted question. I hope that's okay. But what we've heard a lot about in China recently is that the President Xi mm -hmm. has helped and subsidized some of the larger companies, the state-owned companies, which we know have pretty poor profitability records at the expense, perhaps, and this is you know, where your opinion really counts, uh, of the private sector, is that true? Is that is this kind of is it a less dynamic economy than it was a couple of years ago? If 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 the money and favoritism is sort of veering towards these big, big state-owned utilities and steel companies and so on. Um, well, and also technology companies. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So so I think that's part of it. And the other side also that's sort of 
um, important, but let's talk about uh, is um, the sentiment of the small businesses because there are lots and lots of moms and pops um, uh, companies in China. So you know that um, Chinese the, Ch the Chinese uh, cities, the big cities, are actually built by a lot of people moving into the city to build them. So uh, Shanghai, for example, uh, with lots of uh, immigrants into the city, uh, has been the primary consumer of a lot of these smaller shops because they have to buy everything they need to, to live in a new city. But as the city's uncertainty is becoming bigger and the government's uh, funding also becoming um, uh, you know, less and less, um, the consumption from the regular folks patronizing the small business have been slower. Yes. Mm -hmm. So here's another uh, tough question. I, I, I don't know the answer to it. So um, that doesn't mean it's tough. It's just mm. that I, I really don't know. <laughs> um, but so, you know, the, the Shenzhen A market was down so about 36% of the last year. So we've really taking, taken a beating on that. Uh, in up 4% so far this year, have we seen the worst? Is this the time to be to be holding on or buying the dip? A lot of the Shenzhen markets driven by uh, well, two parts of the of the uh, sectors, two sectors. One, telecom, technology, telecom, um, equipment and all that. So that includes your um, Xiaomi, Huawei, all that. And the other part is uh, driven by the com uh, uh, what we're calling the new communication sectors. So that would be the Tencent, the Alibaba, that kind of thing. So um, consumer, still, it's a big story there. Um, well, when you make things, you people have to buy it, yeah. right? Trade is another big thing. Shenzhen is the world's factory, as, as yeah. we've called it. So with trade still uh, in um, this holding pattern, it's going to take a beating. But um, is it is the worst over? I think the, we've seen quite a bit of the worst. We're quite in the late innings of that. Seems to be. Yeah. And sorry, just if you wouldn't remind me, forgive me if people already know this, the the Shenzhen A share, which you discussed, is down 36%, but the B share market, the Shanghai B share, is down 24%. That's a big difference. What, what What's the main difference between the A and the B? A, A, the A, so A shares can be traded um, in this whole exchange uh, with the with with the Hong Kong market, and, and the B shares are mostly uh, not available to uh, outside. Okay. Yeah. So for international investors, we've got to keep our eye on the yeah, A share numbers. Gonna, okay. Mm -hmm. Good to know. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so let's just uh, quickly come to the shutdown. And uh, for those of you who read the blog this week, this is a bit of a recitation of some of the numbers. But so just to kind of just start from the top, it's about 2.8 million federal workers outside of the military. Um, there's probably a very big number, it's difficult to get your hands on it, who are dependent on government contracts. So if you work for Booz Allen, you've got a government contract, you're not going to show up in this. I read 4 million people. 4 million. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I knew you would have the number. But it's a big number. Um, and so the, the, the federal work is about 2.1% of GDP. And so we kind of ran through the numbers. We know that 800,000 are deemed non-essential. They're not getting paid. And of that, 380,000 would not only not get paid, we wouldn't get paid for the time when they're off. The other, the others will get their money back when the government reopens. But then last week, the president signed a bill which said even the others would would get their back pay. So essentially, what you've got is is 800,000 people not getting paid, uh, and therefore 
you know, unfortunately in some in some pretty dire straits, and we've heard some you know, sad stories of people uh, really struggling to sort of meet meet their expenses. Um, I think what it does is, if you just kind of run through the numbers, you with delayed spending and so on, you you end up with about 0.3 percent off off the GDP growth rate. But I think that number is much bigger because um, for for some people, you know, they'll never catch up on that spending, and for the people who are on the contract phase, they'll either be let go or they'll be furloughed or they'll never actually get there because they're not working. They'll never get paid as, as a contractor. So it's a bit of a difficult number to guess and it all dependent on, on how long it goes on. We do know that the in 2013, when the, mark, when the, the government was shut down for 13 days, it unequivocally cut off 0.3% of GDP. We're at twice that rate now. And the multiplier effect for the contractors, I think, would be just as high, if not higher. So we're sort of going with a, you know, almost negative one percent growth, which would, given that the underlying GDP growth for the first quarter was going to be about two percent, could mm -hmm. bring us in very close to zero. Yeah. And I think if that happens, then, you know, uh, the Fed is just going to hold off doing anything because they don't want to be seen to be raising rates when uh, when, when there's a palpable slowdown in the economy. Have you any thought, other thoughts on it, Reader? I mean, it's just it's it's sad to see. It's um, it, it's not the greatest thing to to uh, compare ourselves internationally. Um, and I think, but I think that the first the the, the drop in Q1 growth will, will gradually be made back in the second quarter. But you know, but not all of it will be made back. Yeah, and I think it it really depends on the length of this because uh, you know there are not, a lot of people dependent upon government to, to, to pay, to get paid, yeah. or even to get food. Yeah. So, you know, we have, you know, I think pe people probably are not writing about people on uh, the food stamp, the SNAP program. I mean, are they getting yeah. any of that there? So I think they got the February one, but if, if this lasts longer, if they, they're not getting the March number, then that's another 0.2% uh, of the GDP. So that, yeah. you know, it adds up over time. And also, what about what about um, the, the economic analysis that we're Christian well, and I are both missing. Yes, so the stuff we feed off. So the the big three for economic in analysis outside of the government, there's, there's things like INS, ISM and mm -hmm. the NFIB, they'll click along. But the BEA, who calculates GDP, is closed, a big red flag when you go to their right. website. So you can't get anything update on uh, on on growth or our or uh, you know, so some parts of wages and anything to do with growth. Census Bureau is closed. It means we're getting nothing on trade. Industrial production comes from the Fed, so we got that. That's a bit weird, but we're not getting a lot of, you know, housing data. Yeah. Um, the one that's open is BLS, Bureau of Labor Services. So they do inflation, unemployment, so the big mm -hmm. two. Um, but, um, but then they require, I think, inputs from other areas. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's a little bit flying blind at the moment, for sure. Um, and uh, I think that's, that's you know, one of those more difficult, but you, but you can also see this in the bond market, don't you think? We're at 272 today. This, this adds so much to the uncertainty, Christian. The gap between the S&P earnings yield, S&P 500 earnings yield to Treasury, 360 basis points. Um, that's high. Historically, it's about 230. So we are in a high uncertainty time. It's not good for 
economy. It's got good for investors. So I think, um, I mean, I agree with you. It's a short-term yes. effect, but nobody likes uncertainty. Investors do not like uncertainty. So Rita brought up a very important ratio that we follow. And if you followed our blogs, we post this chart about once, uh, at least once a month. But it basically says that either bonds are too expensive and stocks are too cheap. Um, now, they could move the other way around, mm -hmm. but that's what it's telling me at the moment. Uh, and I think the bonds will come back a little bit from a 272 rate. That's very, very low. That's very lower low. than it was you know, over a year ago, and we've had mm -hmm. four cuts since then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I think it tells you that the, 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 the stock earnings are, 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 what, 20% cheaper than they were mm -hmm. a year ago? Yeah. 25%, 30% cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Stock market's down eight, but earnings are up 20. So <laughs> it's just become cheaper. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Well, we'd love to throw it over to questions. Uh, so um, please hit star nine, and then we'll unmute your line. If you have any questions, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and if not, um, feel free to email them in. At this time, we have no questions. Okay. Well, thank you very much for, 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 for listening in, everybody. We'll also be posting this as a podcast. So that will be available probably by uh, end of day or first thing tomorrow. And uh, thank you very much for tuning in. And if you, we didn't cover any subjects you'd like us to cover in the future or have any questions, feel, feel free to contact us on uh, bandjadvisors.com. Thanks so much. Disclosure for the market update report January 22nd, 2019. Please note that the information provided in the presentations for general information purposes only should only be considered as an individual recommendation or personalized investment advice. The investment strategy discussed in this presentation may not be suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or her own particular situation before making an investment decision or expressions of opinion on the subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market or economic conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results and the opinions presented cannot be viewed as an indicator of future performance.